As your bulletin indicates, our passage this morning comes from John's Gospel, John's account of the entry, the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And I'm going to just share what the bulletin says. Today we read the account of Jesus' entry into Jerusalem from the Gospel according to John. It is from this Gospel alone that we get both Palm and Sunday. That is to say, only in John does the crowd greet Jesus with palms. They are tree branches in Matthew, uh, leafy branches cut from the fields in Mark, and absent altogether in Luke. And only in John is Jesus' entry into Jerusalem able to be point, pinpointed to the day of the week, Sunday. And the church has followed John's tradition uh, in celebrating Palm Sunday a week before Easter with a procession of palms since the fourth century. So from the 12th chapter, I'll be reading verses 12 through 16. The next day, the great crowd that had come to the festival heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it. As it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter of Zion. Look, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that those, these things had been written of him and had been done to him. Friends, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our Lord shall stand forever. Let us pray. Holy One, our strength in suffering and our hope for salvation, lift up these words of Scripture and pour out your Spirit of grace so that we may follow faithfully on the way to the cross through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Gosh, what, the, the Masters is on even as we speak. The NBA playoffs started yesterday. You can tell I'm a sports nut, can't you? And then what's tonight? We got Game of Thrones. Any, any Game of Thrones? Yeah, Game of Thrones tonight. Are expectations running high for that, would you say? Have you ever ex expected something? and not received it. Surely you have. Surely each of us has. Jackson, when he mentioned Christmas, must have known I was going to speak about it because I remember some 30 or so years ago, a Christmas when we were living in Virginia, Richard must have been seven or eight at the time, and he decided to ask Santa for a Nintendo system. Now this was the original Nintendo system, before the 64-bit Nintendo systems, before the Super Nintendo systems, before, what are they, Xbox and PlayStation and all the modern stuff that's out there today. We're talking about the original Nintendo system. You remember that one? It came with Mario Brothers and Duck Hunt. In Duck Hunt, these ducks would fly across the screen and you had this zapper and you could you'd try to shoot them. We've, we've got a picture somewhere of Richard standing only inches from the screen trying to zap those ducks. And the other game was Mario Brothers, and I must confess I got hooked on it. I would stay up till 1 or 2 in the morning trying to save the princess. I finally outgrew that game, but then along came Super Punch-Out. Anyway, we lived in an old manse there in Fort Defiance, Virginia, and on Christmas morning we all went downstairs to, to the living room to see what Santa had brought. There were the stockings filled with goodies. There was for Richard a book or two, some clothes, maybe a board game. There was a ball. There was always a ball of some sort, but no Nintendo. 
And I'll never forget Richard's expression, trying to sort things out. Shall Shall I dare think a bad thought about Santa? Trying to figure out how to deal with his disappointment. Richard, why don't you run to the bathroom and, and then we'll get some breakfast before we open the presents. And you had to go, to the, go through the family room to get to the bathroom, and the family room was where the television was. And of course, when Richard entered the family room and saw the television, there were ducks flying across the screen. Disappointment faded, expectations were met, and trust in Santa restored. Richard expected to get a Nintendo system. And when he thought, even if for only a moment, that his expectations weren't going to be met, he came close to judging Santa. Well, as fleeting as that sense of disappointment was for Richard, it must have been a similar sense of disappointment the people felt about Jesus. After the crucifixion, after the resurrection, Two travelers, or after the crucifixion, before the resurrection, two tra- no, it was after the resurrection too, on, two travelers on the road to a town called Emmaus were talking and they said, but we had hoped, we had hoped, past tense, he was the one to redeem Israel. We'll rewind a week before the betrayal, arrest, trial, and crucifixion. And Jesus entered Jerusalem on a donkey, or is it a colt, or maybe a donkey's colt, whatever. When Jesus enters Jerusalem, he is hailed as a king. Hopes are high. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Expectations are sky high. They pin their hopes on this man. But how dashed are their hopes when only a short time later he refuses to take up arms. He refuses to fight against Pilate. My God, he didn't even defend himself. He didn't say a word. We had hoped. Expecting a king, they, had, they were given a man who wouldn't even stand up for himself. Feeling betrayed, angered, hurt, disappointed. It was really a small step in crowd dynamics crowd mentality dynamics, which led to the cries of crucify him, crucify him. They didn't get what they expected, what they were hoping for, so they were willing to see him put to death. You know, friends, it's when we don't get what we expect or feel that we deserve that we become like the crowd, angry, Frustrated. It is when we are expecting one thing yet get another that we develop feelings of betrayal and resentment. When things don't work out the way we plan or the way we think they should, we become angry and disillusioned. And often our target when our expectations are not met is God. Richard came close to judging Santa based on what he expected to find on Christmas morning. And I'm not sure we're really that different when it comes to God and faith in our lives. I mean, if you live a good life, if you believe Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, if you have faith, you should be rewarded, right? Rewarded with health, wealth, and happiness. Isn't that how it ought to be? 
Isn't that what the, the prosperity gospel preachers tell us? But if we're honest with ourselves, we, we know that these expectations don't jibe with reality. Think about it. Think about it. We relatively affluent, comfortable Americans have a lot of autonomy in the way we live our lives. For the most part, we set the standards with certain expectations following. But when these expectations aren't met, we judge our religion, we judge God by these standards, these expectations. And when our expectations, the standards we have set for an acceptable quality of life aren't matched by the religious values we have attached to them, then we become angry and upset. When something happens and our standards are upset, our expectations disturbed, we tend to judge our religion, we tend to judge God. But when you think about it, don't you kind of think it should be the other way around? Shouldn't our religion, our Christianity, be the norm by which we establish the standards by which we live? Our lifestyle, the decisions we make, the positions we take should be done in the context of religious sensibilities, not the other way around. For those of us who identify ourselves as Christians, what we think about issues, whether it be in the arena of politics or theology or care for the earth or relationships or family, these should be informed by our understanding of God. Actually, it should be stronger than that. For those of us who are Christian, our understanding of God gleaned through Scripture should be the lens through which we form our opinions. Yet far too often, I fear, it's the other way around. We form opinions based on culture, on our personal circumstances and other factors, and then try to fit God into our mold. The people were expecting a king, and yet they got, what they got was something different, or at least a, a different sort of king. A king who came not in power, but in vulnerability and neediness. A king who moved not among the power brokers and movers and shakers, but among the commoners. A king who died not a hero's death, but as a criminal. That's a radical message. It's a, it's, it's, it was radical then, and it's just as radical today, more than 2,000 years later. <clears throat> I invite you to join me in an exercise for just a moment. Let's, let's think about the here and now, just for a moment or two. There is great beauty and truth on this planet, in the crashing surf on the shore, in the beauty of an unparalleled sunset, in the loving eyes and hands of family and friend. But there's also great ugliness, violence, sickness, and despair. Sons and daughters die far too young from disease or violence or get lost in a haze of drugs and other forms of abuse. Hundreds of thousands of our brothers and sisters, pe people created in the image of God, are denied basic human rights. And here in this nation, in this community, even in this church, for both private and public consumption, we insult, even ridicule each other based on the basis of political affiliation and conviction, and we distrust one another because of differences in ideology, culture, language, skin color, and wealth. 
Now, I invite you to take all that beauty and all that brokenness, all that joy and all that sorrow, all at the same time, and, and let it sit there. Let it just sit there with you, the beautiful and the beastly, side by side. And if there is any longing in your heart, a deep conviction that the violence and hate and vitriol that we see and live with are not inevitable, are not part of God's intention for creation. If you believe that God is at work, moving us toward a vision of a new heaven and a new earth, if you dare to hope that the Spirit of the living God, the very source of life itself, can become known to us anew and lead us toward justice and mercy and compassion and peace, how do you imagine that might happen? Or to put it slightly differently, what might your expectations be of a coming one, a Messiah, if you will, to bring healing and salvation to this world here and now? What would you expect? Would you expect that person to be a politician? We're just having fun now. A Supreme Court justice, perhaps. A doctor to bring healing. A businessman or businesswoman. Would he or she be charismatic and draw all people around him or her and be able to, to raise lots of money? What are your expectations of God in our lives and in our world? Are we subconsciously or even consciously hoping for an extremely powerful and, and, and persuasive God who will come and call out all the bad apples in the world while welcoming us good, or at least better, folks with open arms? Maybe some of you are hoping for the powerful Christ with the winnowing fork and sword, or, or maybe not. Judging by the anger and anguish I hear on the radio and on the television and in conversations closer to home, a powerful divine figure of justice and punishment must be an attractive proposition to many. What are your expectations? Are, are you trying to mold God to fit into your comfort zone? Or are you allowing God to be God? The people were expecting a king. Ironically, they got one, even though Jesus wasn't the type of king they expected. Christians around the world proclaim Jesus as king because of the conviction that through Christ, God brought new life, that, that new life of resurrection faith. And the promise of new life is offered to each of us in every situation, as dark as that situation may be, because God is a God of light, God is a God of love, God is a God of hope. Today on this Palm Passion Sunday of contrasts, we sing His praise, we proclaim His reign, but we do so with a keen awareness of the depth of human sin. So friends, celebrate the new life God offers to each of us. But never allow the palm branches and garlands to become the signs of an unexamined triumphalist faith. 
Rather, in humility, let us examine our hearts, our minds, and yes, even our cherished ideologies and convictions. And let these convictions arise first from a deep and abiding understanding of a God who came to us in Jesus Christ, born in a manger, held as a king, crucified as a criminal, resurrected as our Lord and Savior. Let us pray. Oh God, in this crazy, topsy-turvy, mixed-up world, we thank you that you are a God of light, a God of compassion, a God of mercy, a God of hope. May we embrace that reality as we move through the darkness of Holy Week to emerge refreshed, renewed on Easter Sunday through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.